Hey, hey, what's up, what's up? Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you are having an amazing day. And today we are sitting down with Crystal Renault, who is a really interesting advocate in our space. She is uh, really, she's honestly like the equivalent of me for women. So she has been around for much longer than me. So maybe that's not a good comparison. She's quite a bit further ahead in that regard. But uh, the point is she has a organization that helps women struggling with porn addiction. And I wanted to bring her on for two main reasons today because you might be listening to that as a guy and thinking, why the heck would I listen to someone like this? Why does it matter? So the first thing is it's important that as men, we understand this is a female issue as well. Uh, I, I kind of hate the... The groups that form around this subject for men that become very um, like locker room boys talk kind of stuff because it really suffocates women who are struggling as well. And so I think on an empathy level, we need to understand the female side of this and we need to understand it better so that we can manage these conversations appropriately with women in our lives. One out of three women that you know watch pornography. So just think about that. So if you are making offhanded comments about how this is a guy's issue or even just implying that it's a guy's issue in your in your your messages or, or your comments, it's going to further the shame that these women are experiencing and it's going to basically block off any chance for you to ever have a conversation with them or to ever, you know, maybe shine a light, you know, and share your own recovery journey in a way that empowers them. So that's the first reason. The second reason is I wanted to... I honestly just wanted to understand the female experience better because I think we sometimes think that men and women are so different. And I mean, granted, we are very different, but there's also a lot of similarities. And as Crystal and I were were diving into this, it was just fascinating to see like, wow, women really are not that different from guys in why they're watching pornography and what's required for them to ultimately eliminate it from their lives. So I think you guys are going to get a lot of value from this. And, you know, lastly, I know that some of you listening are women. And so I hope that this helps for all the reasons I just mentioned. And additionally, if you are actually a woman struggling, I hope this is going to break off some of the shame and hopefully give you a bit of a trajectory for how you can experience lasting freedom, just like Crystal has, and just like the hundreds, thousands of other people that Crystal has helped as well. So that is everything in a bit of a nutshell. This is a really solid interview. I was, I was so grateful for Crystal and her time. She's got a couple of cool resources as well that she promotes at the end. Make sure you stick around for those. In the meantime, let's get into it. My interview with Crystal Renault of She Recovery. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives, and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. All right. Well, I'm here with Crystal and we have been waiting a long time to finally put this interview together. I'm so glad that you're here and I'm so excited to dig in. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Guy. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So, okay. uh, You you and I are kind of in like, I would say, parallel um, tracks here, helping people with porn addiction and sexual misbehavior and really trying to integrate the principles of scripture, as well as more clinical approaches, and um, you know, just trying to holistically help people get the freedom that they deserve. Uh, my audience knows that from all of the male guests we've had on here, 
and my own story that nobody gets into this line of work without an experience themselves. Mm -hmm. And I would have to venture a guess that you probably have some life experiences that led you to this kind of work as well. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about kind of your, your journey and what led to the start of She Recovery. Yeah, I think I, I've yet to meet somebody who's in this field of work who just like, <laughs> just, just really wanted to just like, yeah. oh, this is really fun, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it's, because it's, I mean, it's, in some ways it is fun. I, I mean, in, in, in terms of the joy it brings me to help others who have a similar journey that I've been on. Um, but yes, I was exposed to pornography myself when I was just 10 years old. Um, mm. I'm 38 now, so I'm aging myself in that my first exposure was through a magazine. Yeah, but right. it was just as uh, alluring and tempting and confusing as if I had stumbled upon it on the internet. Mm. Uh, because it was not just a centerfold magazine. It was one of those that was very explicit, um, right. performing sexually sexual acts on the on the paper, basically. Wow. And so for a 10 year old's eyes and heart and mind, it's like, uh, it was, it was jarring. It was confusing. It was, sh I think for the first time in my life, I really experienced shame, hmm. um, in a way that I hadn't experienced it before outside of just getting in trouble from my parents, you know? Yeah. And it really did kind of, it was the catalytic event that led to a nearly 10 year struggle um, with pornography hmm. and other unwanted sexual behavior that um, I never expected to go down that road in my life. It was never something that I, I didn't seek it out really. You know, I, I used to say that I, that I found porn or that, you know, stumbled upon porn when I was 10 years old, but really I was exposed to porn at 10 years old. It was yeah. not something that I should have been able to access, yep. but it, it was available to me through my older brother who also was only 15. He shouldn't have had it either. You know, so mm. I think about him in terms of being a victim as well. And so I do see it as I was victimized, you know, at 10 years old to be exposed to something like that. Um, but eventually, you know, there became a point where I made my own decisions and I had to take accountability for and responsibility for my my role in my behavior and things that I was doing that I knew were counter to my faith, counter to my beliefs, counter to my my moral code. Yeah. And uh, thankfully, when I was almost 19 years old, I was able to meet a woman who shared her story with me. Um, it was the first time I'd ever heard another female share that she'd mm. had a porn problem. Because I really believed that for all of those years that I would I would go back to porn again and again, that I was the only female who did. Because mm. I hadn't right. heard any stories of other women, other girls like me. In fact, you know, when I started going to church at the age of 15, I would hear some sermons on Sunday um, usually it was around Valentine's day or father's day or something like that, where, where the pastor would speak to the men in the room about their role and about the responsibility they have to be, um, you know, sexually, uh, pure, um, or just sexually moral in their, in their families and in their lives. And it was never about women needing mm. to do the same. Right. And so when I would hear, you know, oh, this is a man's problem. Like, this is obviously something that men watch porn, men use porn, but I'm clearly not supposed to because he's not even talking to me about this. So there was mm. something wrong with me in mm. my mind. Like, I was like, there's something like I'm like built like a guy, like I'm made like a man, like there's something wrong with me. But even mm. in that, it stemmed, you know, sexual confusion, orientation, you know, uh, identity, all these things were very confusing for me, especially as I was watching porn, as my porn palette began to change, 
Um, the, the things I would watch were more and more of the lesbian side, you know, just mm-hmm. things like that, where I felt like this is who I am. I must be, must be bisexual at least, you know, so all kinds of things were, were coming to play, but I am thankful that, um, through support, through confession, through accountability and through really surrendering the why underneath all my behavior, um, to the Lord and to, through counseling, I was able to to find lasting recovery and lasting healing. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's amazing. I'm doing some math in my head. It sounds like your first exposure was about 28 years ago. I think my exposure, first exposure was about 22 years ago. So we're not too far off. And I guess I'm curious when you were starting to seek recovery, you know, so you have this conversation with someone else who who finally you're hearing from somebody else who has gone through some of the things you've gone through. What other resources, if any, were available to you at that time when you were really starting to get free or were you more or less left to your own devices? As far as anything related to women, there was yeah. nothing. Um, okay. You know, it was there was there was some. I can't even recall if I actually read any material. Like if there was a book that was recommended to us. All I really remember is she is is this woman who is a dear friend of mine even today. Um, you know, referenced like Triple X Church. Um, you know, so that's like old school anyway, in terms of the yeah. movement, you know, yes. um, and but they were, were the, to, they were the prominent force in those days. They were, they were, yeah. um, and able to have like X3 on the, on my computer, on my computer, you know, um, yeah. at that time we didn't have smartphones and tablets and all those things, but, that's right. um, but certainly that they came to play later as I would, you know, want, want to be accountable on those devices as well. But um, yeah, but so early on, it was really just accountability with her having like honest conversation about when I was tempted or when I did stumble. Hmm. Um, and really, for me, the most, I'm not going to say short or, you know, besides my faith and really surrendering um, my brokenness to the Lord, the most powerful part of my recovery was going to therapy Mm. Um, and dealing with the why underneath my struggle, which had a lot to do with emotional and, and emotional abandonment and rejection that I experienced as a child, mm. um, which led me back to porn again and again. So I'm dealing with those issues really, really the most important aspect of, of what early recovery looked like for me. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. How did you find someone to work with that was maybe maybe they didn't necessarily I don't know if they understood the female side of this or at least had enough compassion for you to feel safe with them you know I don't okay this is I mean obviously it's been a while um so that (laughs) that those early years in therapy I know for a fact in the early part of it I didn't really talk about you know the addiction porn all of that um it came out later but it was really more about um because I had some some depressive issues and anxiety and things like that. So um, I went to counseling to work on my mental health, essentially, yeah. Um, yeah. understanding um, in, in, in my own way that this would probably help with the other. Um, because I, I knew from even talking to my friend, you know, like this is more than just behavior. Um, there's mm. stuff underneath this behavior that is that is driving you back to it. And it's coping. It's it's a mechanism. And so knowing that I had things to work on was really kind of the the forefront of my mind. And then eventually it was like, well, that makes a lot of sense because I've been, I've been using pornography and this stuff, you know, as, as a way to cope with my pain and my anxiety and all these things. 
Um, and of course the therapist was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> honestly she didn't, she was really compassionate. Um, she was older and I think she just had lived life and she, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and I think even in her, in her era, it was romance novels and she'd heard a lot of clients dealing with that anyway. And, um, so I think for her, it wasn't totally a shock, but she also yeah. didn't know exactly how to help me with the sexual part. Um, which is why it went more to, you know, the why, which is really kind of what I do now is working on the why, because you can replace porn, masturbation, sex, um, attention seeking behaviors with dating, whatever it is, you can replace, place it. And it, and, the, and the why is what matters the most, mm -hmm. um, the why you're going back to it again and again. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We I mean, we've talked about this before on the podcast, because it is like, I really do feel for women, even now, like, I think there's a little bit more understanding that women struggle with this as well. But you know, if you talk to a guy, he'll tell you about how much shame he had to hurdle how much stigma he had to get through. And for women, it's all the stuff that a guy would mention, and then a whole nother layer of like, I'm not in the gender that most of these messages really target or I'm not supposed to struggle with this mm -hmm. as a woman. Mm -hmm. So that's why I love your work because I see what it's providing and I see the need for it because we have women reaching out to us all the time that don't seem to have any place to go. So I guess um, I'm wondering for maybe guys who have heard, maybe they've heard from me, hey, this is a, a, a female problem as well. Women struggle too. You know, the stats show, at least that I've seen for maybe every two guys watching, there's a woman watching, something to that effect, and that number's on the rise for women. Mm -hmm. um, can you put some meat on these bones? Like what are what kind of response have you gotten since, you said it was 15 years ago, right? That you started She Recovery? Is yeah, that well, it, in some form or fashion, I, I led my first groups at my church in 2007. Wow. And then started my ministry in an online capacity with a blog in 2009. <laughs> um, for so you. it's been around for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about what has the response been like? Obviously, you've you've made it through all like these last 14, <laughs> 15 years here. Clearly, there's a need for it. What what is what what kind of response are you getting in and, and why are women coming to you? Well, it's funny that you say that anyway, because I was at a conference just last week with an exhibit table, kind of spreading the word about she recovery and people still come to my table with like wide eyes, you know, they're like, <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't know women struggle with porn. And so it's like, yeah, we do, you know, thanks yeah. for making us feel terrible. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but, but, but that, that still is kind of a theme, you know, but you, but, and I think part of that is, yes, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a niche area of, of focus, especially in a Christian environment. Yeah. Um, but it is a growing niche. So if you can't really call it a niche when Pornhub annual report says 34% of their traffic is female. Right. And yeah. that's, and that's registered traffic, right? So that's women who have created an account and said, I'm a female who, you know, that's the only reason they know that information. So I know for a right. fact that I wouldn't have created an account on Pornhub. Um, and <laughs> there's, and I talked to a lot, a lot of other women too, and they, they wouldn't have either. So I think that number is higher. And really since 2014, that number has grown 51%. Wow. Um, in porn, for okay. Pornhub stats. So it's a, it's a steady climb where I think for men, it's like, you know, pretty even. It's just like the guys who watch porn or the guys who watch porn. Yeah, but I think yeah. for women, it's it's growing, um, growing huh. more and more and more, especially as it gets normalized from a sexual culture. What was your question exactly? Uh, what am I seeing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like what's what's the response been like? Like clearly women are coming to you and seeing value yeah. in what you're providing because there's a need for yeah. it. You know, from, from the very beginning, you know, you get an email from a woman who 
first of all, she's thanking you because she's saying, I thought I was the only one. And that mm. theme has been throughout um, the last, you know, 10, 15 years is I thought I was the only one. Mm. Um, and I think part, you know, a big part of that is especially once because I mean, I would say 99% of our clientele are Christian women. Okay. And so I would I would say that um, the reason for that is churches aren't talking about it from a female mm. perspective. Mm. And so they're hearing a lot of talk about men um, and having, you know, celebrate recovery groups in their church or other, you know, porn or sexual overcoming porn groups for men, all these things. But they're not really not, they're not targeting women with any of those things. Yeah. And so I think that um, that's what I'm seeing the most is, is just that that ongoing theme of I thought I was the only one. Um, mm. but I will say that as a, as an organization since COVID, since 2020, 2020, the infamous year, um, yeah. there has been an exponential growth mm. in okay. females coming forward. And it's not so much that they're all of a sudden watching porn. I think that it was particularly in 2020, we were seeing more and more women, um, isolated, they were alone, and their and their behaviors began to escalate to a significant degree, and they yeah. were starting to get kind of scared and, and concerned about their their behavior. Which to me, I'm I'm glad for that. I mean, I'm glad that they came to a place where they were like, I can't do this anymore, um, and yeah. they decided to come forward. So, certainly in the last three years, we've seen an an increasing amount of women coming to us. I don't know if that correlates to it being a bigger problem. But certainly it's it's correlating to a need for to get to get well. And I think that's yeah. a good thing. Oh, uh, very much so. Yeah. And I, I would say that trend was uh, certainly visible in our demographic as well during the pandemic and, and beyond. So I guess um, the question that I, I really have wanted to ask you, Crystal, is when you look at you know the last 15 years or so that you've been helping women, what are some of the most common um like you mentioned your own experience, it, it, a lot of it boiled down to rejection issues. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think I could say that same statement would be true for guys. And um, when I've been on podcasts and we get on the subject about women, they're always like, they're always surprised to hear that it's even as high as 34%, you know, or some somewhere in that ballpark. And I think some people assume like, oh, but it's so different for women because, you know, women are more emotional or you know you hear all those different statements right that are kind of like yeah but it's different it's different but all the women i've spoken with that have been you know brave enough to share about their experiences with pornography it sounds like it's actually not that different than guys like it's it's intimacy it's seeking acceptance it's a place of belonging it's comfort it's all that kind of stuff uh but i guess i, I i'm just curious i don't want to put words in your mouth but i guess i'm just curious are there any particular issues that seem to be quite prevalent in the women that you're working with that are ultimately driving their misbehavior. Well, I'm glad you said that because it is a myth that it's, that it's vastly different that women are just like, you know, Oh, we're so emotional. We hate sex. You know, it's like, <laughs> okay, you know, that's not true. Like we are physical, we are sexual, we have drives, we have, you know, desi desires. And, um, and just like men, we, we are visually stimulated. It might not be to the same degree and we connect differently. We connect more emotionally, but we still have eyes. We still have bodies. Mm -hmm. We still mm -hmm. connect sexually. Um, and I think that that's a mis misconception is that we're somehow like not supposed to like sex. It's like, okay, that's crazy. So, yeah. um, but to answer your question, you know, I, for, for, for my, for, for my example, I'll use me as example first. Um, 
my father, my, my, my dad, my earthly father, he traveled full time when I was growing up. Um, that was how he provided it for our family. And looking back now at 38 years old, I can say he didn't have a, he didn't have a choice. He didn't have an option. Like that was what he was doing, what he thought he was supposed to do. Hmm. But when he was home, when he was home, he wasn't present. He was exhausted and he was just working on stuff around the house because he like neglected maintenance, you know, hmm. um, or just, or just resting. And so I felt like I was, I was rejected. Like I felt like I was abandoned by him um, as I was growing up because there wasn't any relationship on the other thread of that, my mom also experienced clinical depression. When I was mm. eight years old, she fell into a deep depression and was basically asleep because of the medication she was on for about two years. And so oh. during those really early years of formative time, especially coming into, um, you know, prepubescent time, just confusion about my body, things were, were happening, you know, um, I really didn't have parents like I did, I had a roof over my head. I was safe. I had food. I had comfort. Yeah. But I didn't have emotional connection. Like there wasn't mm. like I wasn't take, being taken care of emotionally. Um. And these are all things that I've come to learn through therapy. You know that these were like really important things that were driving my behavior. Um. And so I think for what we're seeing, and so using me as an example, it's not that uncommon for these women that I've worked with to also have significant daddy issues. Um, yeah. whether that is absent father, um, or just emotionally distant father, maybe an abusive father, um, where it's just been, um, there's just this absence of affection, this absence of, of the, what a, what a daughter needs from her father. Hmm. Um, at the same time, it could be also be the mothering thing, you know, and I find that a lot of women who wrestle with, with maybe, maybe, maybe with same sex attraction or with lesbian porn, things like that. How lacked mothering, lacked lacked that female energy, you know, as yeah. they're growing up, and so they gravitated towards female pornography, yeah. and so there's all kinds of. So I think I do think it comes down to that family unit, the home, the environment, nature versus nurture, you know, the whole idea mm-hmm. of you know it, that those formative years matter so much, and as we are looking at the why under our behavior, we can, we tend to find that there are there are woundings there. And it's abandonment, it's rejection, it's hopelessness, it's it's all kinds of things. But ultimately, it's it's something has happened um, that has caused you to have a wounding. Yeah. And amongst Christian women in particular, when you're talking about fatherlessness or absent fathers or abusive fathers, you're also talking about, you know, how do you feel about God as a mm. father? Yeah. Right. Um, and so there's there's a need to heal that as well. Um, yeah. you know, cause you know, the God of the, the God who made you, um, and created you and designed you is not the God who raised you. Mm. That's not the, it's not the father who raised you, um, yeah. um, and the need to, to heal that view, um, yeah. and understand that your, your earthly father was extremely human and broken. Um, mm. but the God who, the father, God who made you is not, um, and yeah. he is, he is there to, to provide and to comfort and to forgive and show you yeah. grace so yeah it's crazy it's like it's like listening to a mirror a mirror of like because <laughs> it sounds so similar to what we say about guys you know mm-hmm. like just very like yeah very similar like a lot of um mother issues unless they're same-sex attraction then we kind of focus on the relationship with the father growing up those yeah. woundings of the past the unmet core needs um very very interesting so i guess on the other side of this crystal um are there parts of the female experience of both 
we'll call it porn addiction, but also recovery that maybe are different from the male experience. Because I also, I, you know, I think it, it would be a mistake to say, oh, yeah, it's totally different. You know, the, uh, what applies to guys doesn't apply to women. And I think it would be an equal mistake to say it's all just the same and mm -hmm. it all boils down to the same stuff. Are there any nuances that you think maybe are, are worth mentioning that are part of the female experience? You know, it's, it's interesting because, like, I don't actually know. Like I've, I've, I haven't been a man. I don't work with men. Yeah. Um, you know, I may have studied a little, a little bit, but um, my experience has been the woman, um, the girl, yeah. the, the teen girl woman who's struggling um, with this stuff. Um, I would maybe I ask it. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I will say um, in terms of like physio, you know, like 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 the physical being female, like the physiology, the physiology of it um, is women ovulate every month. Um, yeah. And so the aspect of the sexual drive to want to make a baby happens every single month. And so I mm. find that in terms of like recovery, in terms of like the cyclical part of recovery, where maybe you're having a hard time getting to like two or three weeks sober, it's because your body is like raging hormonally for, um, you know, for sex and, for, you know, and so, and, and especially if that's how you've been acting for the last however many years, right? Like your, yeah. your brain and body, there's so much muscle memory with that. And so I do find mm. that women in particular wow. have a really difficult time getting to that 21 days forms a habit kind of thing, because yeah. once they hit 21 days, they're ovulating and they're like, okay, well, it's over. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, and, so for, and I know men have a different cycle. It's like every three days or something, but um, but in particular, I think women are in a unique situation in that their bodies were actually created for that and for yeah. to, to experience, um, you know, sexual, uh, uh, sexual urge and, and, and rush once a month. And then when that's over, they crash in a very big way hormonally into their monthly menstrual cycle. And so, and of course that leads to depression that leads to anxiety. So there's all kinds of like triggers, all the triggers that, that, yeah. that are just part of who we are in our physical body. Um, and so I think um, in particular, it's difficult for, for, for women who have really found, found themselves in this cycle of addiction, um, getting out of that cycle because it's almost like their body is their enemy um, mm. in the early, in the early, in early recovery. And so it requires a lot more accountability requires a lot more grace um to understanding what and and needing to understand how your body works because yeah, unfortunately that's... too i think a lot of women don't even know that their body is actually in charge of them sometimes yeah. um and, and and you know so so cycle tracking and all those types of things is really helpful too that's super insightful yeah that would definitely be uh something that the, the male experience does not include <laughs> is the 28 day cycle tracking so you you alluded to it. I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about it because even though maybe guys don't have um you know like a twenty eight day cycle or whatever, I will say it's interesting you mentioned the three week mark because I would say that's been a very prominent kind of I don't know focal point in in people's recovery. It's all often like oh I got to three weeks but I just can't seem to get past that mm -hmm. and maybe the reasons are different. I, I I realize that but I guess I'm just curious what are you what are you doing with people or with, with your women at that point? help them get past that, you know, that, that three week mark or that kind of 21 day area where it just feels impossible. So you mentioned accountability. Um, it sounds like a little bit more intentionality, Any, anything in particular, because I think I, I just have to imagine that whatever it is that you're guiding the women through, I'm going to guess it's probably useful for the guys as well, who maybe have plateaued, whether 
it's that 21 days or 14 or 200 or whatever. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. You know, I think um, when you're just kind of dealing with it on a regular basis, like you kind of see it a lot because it really is, um, it really is a situation where you're right. We do see a lot of 21 day, like um, just kind of like, like, like the hurdle. It's like, if we can just get through that or even Mm -hmm. one month, you know, hurdle, um, I think early on the first two weeks, there's a lot of like resilience, like you're just like white knuckling pushing through. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's any real like motivation outside of, I want to stop. Yeah. Um, and I think that once you get to the kind of three weeks, the motivation of, I just want to stop fizzles away. Yeah, True. Um, and so you, and so I, I, when I talk to women, I'm always asking, what is your why? Like when you're entering into recovery, what is your why? Because if your why is just something like, well, the Bible says that I should be sexually pure. If that had been enough for you, <laughs> you would have be, you'd be, you'd be sexually pure by now. Right. Like you would be True. like, I, I am a successful sexually sober person. um but but your why has to be i think it has you have to be honest about like what what's your motivation why do you want to be sexually whole and i think that um women who say who have things who have um more tangible whys do better Mm. because they're able to fall back on on the why and journal about the why and 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 talk about the why and discuss that as a continued motivation and so that mm. why could even be, I want to be sexually pure for my, I want to be sexually whole for my future spouse. Or mm-hmm. if I'm married, I want to be sexually whole for my spouse. Yeah. I don't want to see my spouse as something I have to conquer. And like, it's for me, but is someone I'm giving to, as scripture talks about, you know, what, like our sexual, you know, needs are actually not ours to, to fulfill, you know? Yeah. Our desire, we're supposed to fill the, fulfill the desires of our spouse and vice versa yeah. and be equal and mutual. And that's a beautiful thing because it's giving and then you're also receiving. Yep. Um, and so I think for me, working with women, I'm always like, what's your why? What's going to get you through the next three, four or five weeks? What's going to get you to 90 days of, of abstinence where your, your brain and your body are now able to actually breathe and like just, you know, um, get out of the cloud of oxytocin and dopamine, you know? <laughs> um, and so it's, it's a matter of getting to, of what is your why and making that really part of your journey, your recovery journey, yeah. and keeping that at the forefront of your mind. Um, obviously all, all the factors are there too: accountability, therapy, going to counseling, um, having that support system in place, yes. Yes. um, where, your accountability has to be more than, um, will you keep me accountable? But it has to be yeah. like, someone's asking you your why. Someone's asking you, how's your heart right now? Like, like where where, where are you? Not just have you watched porn, you know, um, yeah. but, but how are you? And like looking into your eyes and your soul and being like, you know, caring about you as a person, hmm. getting your intimacy needs met in a way that it's emotional intimacy, you know, um, which honestly is what we're lacking. We're all lacking that. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're going to porn because it provides a false sense of intimacy because mm-hmm. yeah, it, obviously it feels good to masturbate. It feels good to have an orgasm, but it feels really good to have someone look into your eyes. Mm-hmm. 
and ask you how you're doing. Yeah. Like that's powerful. And so I think that having, having that kind of structure is going to be that what's going to get you through that hurdle that you, you, you don't seem to be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very well said. And again, very, synonymous with um i think the the process that we would be walking our guys through let let me ask you this if you're working with a woman she's struggling with pornography uh she's single and she's thinking what guy is ever going to want to be with a woman like this or maybe maybe she's single and there's a guy who's showing interest in her and she doesn't know if she should be getting into a relationship or how she should even handle that um, how are you guiding somebody through through that part of it? You know, I was single for most of my recovery and all of my struggle. <laughs> um, okay. So I was single until I met my husband. Um, and so I met my husband when I was 32 years old. Okay, cool. um, so I was single. I was in recovery. I was single and a Christian. I was still single <laughs> and sexual. Like I still had a body, <laughs> you know, so there's all kinds of things that um, I, I've lived through with this personally. And I wrote that in my book, Dating Done Right, um, talking about my journey into finding my husband and kind of healing from purity culture and, you know, all of those things. But um, I I want to be a testament because that's why I say that, because I want to be a testament that there is a man out there. Um, If you are seeking a relationship and you've been in recovery for a while, and I'll speak to the woman who's been in recovery for a while and has some long-term sobriety and is doing well, and you were desiring a relationship, nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, we were designed for a relationship. We were created to be in relationship. And, and if and if marriage is something that you, you are desiring, I believe that that's a good thing. Um, and I understand that there's fear in what a man might think of your of your sexual past. But that's true of like anyone. I mean, we all have to be honest about our sexual history and our sexual past. And it's not something that you should be keeping a secret anyway. True. Um, the person that you are going to marry deserves and has a right to know your sexual past. And, and you have the right to know theirs as yeah. well um, and be honest about that. Um, it's not who you are. It's who you were. It's what you've done. It's not your identity. Hmm. Um, it's, you know, your identity is in Christ and what you've done is not who you are. Um, but it's part of who you know, it's part of your experience and they deserve to know that. I'm a testament to the fact that, and I'm unique in that my first date involved talking about my story because it's like, what do you do for a living? Oh, yeah. Um, Which is (laughs) like a very, you know, you meet over coffee and it's like, what do you do for a living? You know, and it's like, well, I work with women who have pornography addiction. It's like, well, why do you do that? You know, so for me, it was very like, it's right there. It's, you know, it's also in the New York Times. You could have Googled me and read everything about me. And so I figured, well, I'll just tell you before you Google me because we're yeah. going to Google age, right? <laughs> yeah, true. Um, so, and so for me, it was unique in that, you know, he knew my story right off the bat. I don't yeah. believe that your guy on the first date is, you know, is entitled to that part of your story. Mm. You know, I think that it does take some time to build intimacy with somebody, emotional intimacy with somebody where you feel like they're a safe person to tell. And yeah. I think by the time you tell them that's that, that story about you, you know, you should know that they're a safe person to tell. True. Um, because, uh, because not, not, not everyone is entitled to your story. <clears throat> um, not everyone is you and me, you know, where we share yeah. our story with the world. With the public, um, yeah. Yeah. With the public. And so it's important that you're, that you're living honestly, 
you know, with your circle and your support, but you're not, not everyone's entitled to your story, but the person that you are dating and may possibly marry, they are entitled to your story. Yeah. Um, and my husband, um, you know, it was like a non-issue. Like it was like, oh, okay, it's cool. Like, okay. I mean, so I nice. mean, like, like the right person, the person that God has designed for you is not, is not going to judge you, not going to shame you, not going to, um, slam the door in your face. They're going to embrace you and say, good for you for getting the help that you needed. And unfortunately that person may probably also have a porn problem or has had a porn problem. Looking very at true. stats among men, um, it's very <laughs> possible. The odds are in that, their favor. The odds are in their favor. So it's going to be, the, yeah. so hopefully you're met with compassion, not shame. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that. You're, cause you're talking to a predominantly, well, yeah, mostly male audience. And I would love to hear maybe some things that guys can do that would really make a woman feel cared for and feel safe and feel like, feel good about her decision to, to disclose or to open up to, to yeah. her, you know, whether it's husband or boyfriend or whatever. Um, what are some things that guys can do to, to make that process easier? If we're talking about Christian men, I would say, you know, in a biblical sense, you're leading her, right? So you'd go first. You would share your story with her. Dang, and you'd be honest yeah. about your struggles and you'd be honest about where you've you've come from and how you're how you're working your program or, you know, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and be honest about your own sexual past. And that makes it safe for her to speak about hers. Hmm. Um I, I think and I think biblically that's that's a good posture. Yeah. Is to go for is to go first to make her feel safe. I love that. Yeah, that's really good. So okay, let's let's keep moving down the relational track here. So let's say now you have a married couple. Um, they haven't had any of these conversations yet, and it emerges that the woman struggles with pornography. There's an emerging field in psychology of be- uh, betrayal trauma, which focuses primarily on the wives who feel betrayal. Yeah. But yeah. obviously, in a situation like this, we'd be talking about the the inverse. And if, if a, a, a woman has come to you and she says, you know, I've, I have had this porn addiction for a long time. I never mustered up the courage to tell my husband. I know that I should have, but I didn't. And he caught me or maybe like hopefully best case scenarios, they came clean. Um, and then what are what are like checks and balances that you recommend on the female side to continue to, to strengthen the marriage while they go through recovery? And I like, for example, with our guys, it's like, if if you have a slip, you're having a conversation with her within 24 hours of it happening. Um, we're recommending like a weekly check-in appointment, you know, where you're talking through how things are going and what you're learning and disclosing, you know, different varying levels of detail. That's a little bit uh, maybe more specific to the couple and whatever. But mm-hmm. um, you know, there's certain things like that. I guess I'm just curious on the female side of it. Is it does it look very similar, or are there other things that you guys are recommending um, for them to mend that relationship while they recover? Yeah, it's interesting because. You know, there there's other schools of thought on that whether or not a spouse should even be a part of your recovery. Yeah. Um, only in that it does because if if your if your spouse is to learn that you you slept again, it's betrayal of trauma again. Like it's kind of this True. ongoing trauma. Yes. And so every so there's different rules of thought on whether what's best for that. I won't I won't argue with you on on on, how, on your approach um, yeah. in terms of that, but because I, I I can go both ways with it to be honest. Yeah. Um, but um, for men who find that their wives are struggling, obviously, it's interesting because there actually is similar, again, it's a similar experiences as how a man feels when he finds out his wife's watching porn versus when a woman finds out their, their husband's watching porn. 
there's there's this inadequacy that that comes over them. Like, why am I not good enough? You know, why are you seeking other, you know, not me? And so, and men in particular, it's it's a lot of like it it's it it challenges their manhood. Like, it's a lot of like, yeah, you know, why am I not enough, or how am I not enough? And yes, um, and so. Um, we, we do work with couples at our, at our organization in that we provide the counseling side, um, to couples and men who are, who are, who are facing this, where they're like trying to understand why their wives are doing this. Because again, talking about it from a, you know, men don't think women do this. Right. And so that, Mm -hmm. that goes for these married men as as well. They're shocked to find out that the men, their wives are watching porn, whereas women find out their husbands are watching porn they're hurt. Yeah. But I don't know. That, I, don't, I don't know that they're shocked that, 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 <laughs> that a man would watch porn. Um, yeah. they, they didn't think their husband would not my husband, you know, it's like, yes. um, but, but there, there should, there should be as big of a shock. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting because there is a balance there of how much do you disclose to not hurt them? Um, further with with the betrayal trauma and all of that because that can be an ongoing thing where you're you're continually victimizing your spouse because you're constantly going back and so I think when when I speak to these women I I do tell them you know like this is something that your husband does need to know like you can you can this is this is not something that you can keep a secret um, because it's affecting your marriage bed, it's affecting your relationship, it's affecting your emotional intimacy, um, and it's possible it's affected your marriage, your entire marriage, because maybe you came into porn, came into marriage with a porn problem, mm-hmm. um, and so you always. Because I, I actually knew a client who um, she got she was she got married, and with with her porn problem, because we have this myth like, oh, if I just get married, my porn <laughs> problem will be over. I'll be able to have sex whenever I want. Yeah. which is not true if you're married you know this um so it's it's but and on her wedding night she went to the bathroom watched porn and masturbated mm. you know so it's like and that tends to be what happens is this idea especially from my i don't even know how to how to say this like i know for i know from my experience talking to to some men you know the idea of well my wife's not giving me enough sex so I'm justified in watching porn and masturbating or whatever. And honestly, this the same is true on the flip side. Married women who I've spoken to say, my husband, I don't have enough sex. Hmm. And, I'm, and, I, and, and I have to challenge that thinking because it's like, are you not having enough sex or is it not enough sex for your addiction? <laughs> wow. Because you're, nice. you're used to having a daily orgasm. Yeah, yeah you know, right. Um, you're used to acting out daily or many, many times a week. And in reality, you know, the sex expectations of marriage is a conversation to have about how often do you expect to have sex? Mm-hmm. You know, um, or what, what is a reasonable number of times a week to have sex or times a month to have sex and how mm-hmm. that ebbs and flows and changes, you know? So yeah. it's not like this constant, like you, you can't constantly, you know, have this person, you know, fulfill your every need because your needs are out of order yeah right you know you are you are you are in sexual chaos like yeah. you are you are not in a balanced place with your sexual sexual self 
And I don't, I'm all over the place with this question. What was your actual question with this? <laughs> no, this is great. No, I, no, this is perfect. No, I think just asking about like, you know, when, when um, a woman is married and she's yeah. going through recovery, are there practices or checks and balance that she does or that she has in place to continue to rebuild the marriage while also going on recovery? So you've definitely answered the question. This is, yeah, um, you know, I, yeah. and I think, I think, again, it goes back to it, every, you, every couple is unique. Yeah. Um, every and so that's why I say you know about the is it best to disclose to your spouse? Maybe in some cases, yeah. um, you know, if you feel safe to do so, because there are some marriages that aren't safe. There are some things that you know there's 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 caveats and there's nuances and there's all kinds of things that that True. could change in terms of of what's 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 possible for that particular woman or man. Yeah. Um, but certainly for her for checks and balances, it's her. First, she has to confess it. So if she's sitting here in secret sin and she hasn't told her husband that she has has had a porn problem or has a porn problem, she needs to confess that and tell him, you know, but I have, but I, but, and, and come to him with, but I have an action plan. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important too. Because if you just say I have a porn problem, but you don't have like a next step, like what are you doing to resolve this? What action steps are you taking to make this better? Yeah. Um, what are you doing to help us? Um, I think is is really important too, um, and so coming to them with with those things, with kind of your, kind of your action plan, um, is going to give them a greater sense of okay, she cares about this. It's not just mm-hmm. something that she's doing, and she's hurt me, and you know all that. But she's she knows that she's hurt me. She knows that this is hurting us. Yeah. Um, and so with coming to them with an action plan to say, but I am, but I, but I found this organization that's helping me and going to meetings every day. I'm seeking coaching or counseling through this organization. So there's things that she's doing that she's saying, I know this is wrong and I've, and I've hurt our marriage with this, but I have taken steps to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm taking steps to make it to, to fix us as well. Yeah. It's so good. So my, um, I guess my natural question out of that is on the other side, when a woman has gone through the process, she's, um, she's healed. She's understood some of the underlying root causes and she's able to get those needs met in healthier ways or the trauma is not having the kind of impact that it used to what do you observe in your clients what changes in their lives when they when they do start to experience freedom and and you know walk without the bondages of sexual sin you know i actually have an intensive group that i led last night um that i that i that i have and one of the women was telling me we're about six weeks into it so it's pretty early in, in terms of the intensive work that we're doing, but in about six weeks into it, she did say that her boyfriend asked her to take a break. Like he, like he, so that was a rejection to her, right? So that was a pain, yeah. a, an old pain, an old wound that she has been living with um, that was triggered, this mm. feelings of rejection. And in the past, when she would have that experience, she would go on a dating app and, and try to hook up with someone. If we're talking about a woman who has more of the, um, more of the sexual addiction where it's relational, yeah, like serial dating or just um, promiscuity, those types of things. Okay. Um, and so for her, um, what healing looked like in her early recovery with that is she was rejected. She wanted to unblock some guys she had previously been chatting with. She wanted to get on those dating apps. She wanted that attention. She wanted, she was feeling lonely. She's feeling vulnerable. And instead she reached out to the group. Wow. Um, so, I mean, that to me, that's, 
you know, you have a rejection wound. You were rejected by a guy that you love because they've been together for a while. And he's like, he's all like, I need a break. Like, you're too much for me or whatever. Sure. Um, And she, you know, and she shouldn't be dating anyway, by the way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but, uh, but for her to, 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 instead of acting out the way that she normally would have. Yeah. She reached out to the group and said, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm, you know, I'm feeling rejected right now. I just need, I'm reaching out to you guys instead. Again, it's looking you in the eye saying, how are you? Yeah. Being intimate emotionally with other people who actually can provide that for you in a way that you need. Um, and so for me, that's, that's, and I, I mean, totally that that's a sign of healing. Like that's a sign mm-hmm. that you're, that you are, that you are, that you were in recovery, you were recovering um yes. from from your past and your and your brokenness um and to me that's that's a, that's a that's an excellent example of what what, yep. of what it begins to look like is that you seek healthy intimacy you're seeking healthy um attention you're seeking healthy connection yes um, instead of hiding away um yeah into your behaviors so that's really cool that is that is amazing so i i mean i know we are talking to a male audience today but there are women listening also and uh, whether you know you're a guy that's listening to this, and maybe there's a woman in your life that you know has had some struggles, or that you have suspected has some struggles, uh, Crystal is a phenomenal resource. You, all of your stuff is amazing. Um, your podcast, all the services that you have, the blogs, all that stuff. And for the women who are listening, I think this is a no-brainer. Like Crystal's the the leader in, on this front, uh, especially for Christian women. You need to go check out what she's doing. Crystal, what are some specific ways that the audience can come and um, and find out more about you and some of your resources? Yeah, the, the our base, our the best hub for all the resources would be SheRecovery.com. Yeah. Um, there you can learn about our our monthly membership. We have membership where you can join in um, into our virtual community. Um, so all of our services are virtual, so we're available worldwide. We have women from across the world in our meetings. Um, okay. We all we hold eight meetings a week, and they're all open to members. And so you can go to as many meetings a week as you want or need to. Hmm. We also have chat communities we use through the Relay app, which is a recovery app um, that we that we have partnered with. And so we have we have private chat communities with that, where you can raise a red flag and actually get support immediately. Um, cool. And so there's all kinds of things we can do there. And, and she and she recovery can also learn about our parent organization, Living on Purpose, where we provide the counseling, coaching and spiritual care services as well, which are all virtual. Also. Oh, fantastic. OK, really good. Yeah. So we'll put links in the show notes to all that stuff. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for what you're doing. And thank you so much for your time today. This is phenomenal. Thanks for having me. I've loved being here. Good conversation. All right. Well, there you have it. And I, hey, I highly recommend you go check out her stuff. Uh, you know, I think especially if you're a woman that is struggling, you can go get her podcast. She does counseling. She's got a membership site. She's got tons of free resources as well. And she does, you know, like a summit and I mean, just all kinds of fantastic stuff. So if if you really are looking for help and you want to find out more from Crystal, SheRecovery.com is the place to do it. We'll put the link in the show notes. And in the meantime, guys, I want to encourage you. Just let's let's be voices that um, that allow for women who are struggling as well to feel safe and to feel like they can actually share about their their issues. Because uh, hopefully, if you took nothing else away from this, hopefully you at least understand now that this is not exclusively a male problem. Now, if you are a man struggling, you know you need some additional help. I want to highly recommend that you check out Deep Clean. We are really, um, our focus is helping men get to the roots of their issue. And if you know that what you've done so far is 
scratching the surface and maybe you've occasionally dipped your toe in the deep end, but you haven't really got to the heart of the matter uh, because it was uncomfortable, you didn't know how to do it, or maybe you were afraid that when you got there, you wouldn't know what to do. Well, a program like ours is going to help you basically take care of all of those elements while being surrounded by a really supportive community of like-minded men and having super hands-on coaching. We have one-on-one coaching, group coaching, a little bit of everything that's going to give you all the guidance that you need to make a full recovery that not only you know lasts for a little bit, but actually lasts long-term. That's what we're all about here. Link is in the show notes if you want to book a call. We'd love to speak with you, see if we can help you. In the meantime, if you know a woman who is struggling with pornography or struggling with sexual misbehavior, you need to send this to her, okay? This is this could be like a gift, an absolute gem uh, to, to put in her arsenal and to give her, uh, you know, another stepping stone in her own journey. I know it would mean the world to her. I don't want to encourage you. Be brave. Make sure you do it. You just don't know how you're going to change someone's life. In the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening. I so appreciate you and I wish you an incredible day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, it's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast, and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.